Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miel, your host. In honor of International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, we focus on how homophobia and transphobia is affecting our mental health. Here's Henry Tse, LGBTQIA activist from Hong Kong. My name is Henry Tse. My pronouns are he, him. I'm from Hong Kong and I'm the, uh, the chairperson of an organization in Hong Kong called Transgender Equality Hong Kong. And I'm also a plaintiff in an ongoing lawsuit that, that challenges the government's surgical ID policy. Because in Hong Kong, in order to get your gender marker changed on your Hong Kong ID card, you need to uh, be sterilized and have some have what's called the full sex reassignment surgery. So I'm trying to challenge that. And uh, I'm going to the court of final appeal soon. I am a trans guy and uh, I had my uh, medical uh, gender transition more than 10 years ago. So I started it more than 10 years ago when I was uh, in high school and in university. And that was quite a hard time for me, but uh, especially with my family because they're very uh, conservative and uh, some of them are deeply religious. But I think myself was still lucky in the sense that I had the space while I was in university to do that. And my friends, they are very supportive with my transition. The friends I had back then, they're still very good friends with me now. Actually, I'm visiting them now in the US. And uh, they're friends that I knew back when I was 12. And I knew them in a, in a, in a girls' school. So uh, myself, I went to like a deeply religious, homophobic girls' school in Hong Kong. It's very conservative there. And it heavy ties with like the most homophobic church in Hong Kong. And... I guess you can imagine like how hostile the environment was towards LGBT people. And uh, back then, there was no knowledge about transgenderism, transgender people. Like the only thing I knew was some transsexuals, they call them transsexual women, on newspaper, maybe from Korea. And I, uh, apart from that, I knew nothing about transgender, but I didn't, I, I knew what homosexual was, but I didn't see myself as a lesbian. I didn't see myself as like an Asian tomboy or bush lesbian. But this school thought I was a tomboy or a bush lesbian. And I got picked on a lot. So that was the environment that I was in before I realized that I was transgender when I was in Hong Kong. And as before that, I, I, I briefly mentioned that I, I, I still feel very lucky with my transition because I left Hong Kong when I was 17. And I uh, moved to the UK for uh, the last few years of high school and university. That's what, and, and I moved to Brighton. So uh, it was like the, the gayest city in the UK. So I was, it was a total change for me in terms of environment. Like no one would say gay was a problem. Like my straight classmate, they would invite me to pride and things like that because of being in such an LGBT-friendly environment, like being gay or being gender non-conforming was not a deal to them. And I was able to explore myself and eventually start my transition. So that was pretty much my 
story, you know, being a, a gender non-conforming transgender youth uh, in Hong Kong. Part of, you know, the discussion today is that we want to bring up mental health and the LGBTQIA plus community. Share with us how you navigated that even as um, a youth. And then also knowing that uh, there weren't a lot of resources for you, um, you know, especially with where you grew up. Yeah, so uh, I guess my, well, I think I struggled with mental health a lot before I transitioned. It, it was a lonely time. And I tried very hard to, uh, to get hold of some resources online on YouTube uh, uh, with non-Chinese speaking people. Because in those days, well, you're talking about 10 years ago, there were a few Asian uh, trans men who were making uh, vlogs on YouTube, but that was it. <laughs> there was nothing. Well, if you compare what I had back then uh, to what's going on now in the Chinese speaking world, it's very different. There's a, well, you have a lot more trans people, not just trans men talking about their transition, you know, talking about different stuff on YouTube in the Chinese language. And back then I didn't have that. Actually, I just got reunited with uh, an Asian, well, he, he himself is a Korean Canadian trans man. So we both started transitioning around the same time, like 10 years ago. And I just watched his video because there was no resources. And I watched his video. Uh, talking in Korean, which I couldn't understand a word. <laughs> and I just, you know, 10 years later, I, I met him again. Well, I met him in person for the first time uh, at Ilga World Conference. So he was doing translation for some activists from Korea. And I saw his name badge and I saw him. And, you know, it just uh, reminded me of this guy. Uh, that I saw on YouTube 10 years ago and I just asked him like are you a YouTuber and he he was so shocked that you know some guy from Hong Kong that he met at a conference you know watched all his video like 10 years ago <laughs> you know it, it it shows you you know how scarce the resources were back then and and I think that's and I see a lot of resemblance uh, when I meet uh when I, you know, know more, now I know a lot more trans men, especially in Hong Kong, uh, who, who are in a similar position. So and I, a few years ago, I was invited by a trans man. He started like an informal uh, peer support group. So I, I started joining that group and I got to know more trans men and eventually uh, we see the demand and uh, we, we, we formally started this organization in 2020, uh, Transgender Equality Hong Kong. And we have, uh, you know, we, we, we have peer support groups and we, we are now trying to do more events to support the, uh, not just the uh, trans community in Hong Kong, but also uh, produce resources for, you know, the wider Chinese speaking area for, uh, and, uh, you know, because uh, we think that uh, Asia, East Asia, including Hong Kong is now the, one of the EP centers for change in terms of our trans movement. So uh, we're trying to uh, 
make some impact through our NGO. Talk to us about, you know, transphobia, homophobia in your, your country, and especially focused around what's happening like right now with world politics, with the pandemic, with, with all of that. How is being a member of the LGBTQIA plus community impacted and affected? Yes, so, uh, well, in Hong Kong, we tried very hard and it, we actually have a lot of public support uh, for the LGBT movement, uh, especially with, you know, uh, because in Hong Kong, we don't have anti-discrimination on the grounds of uh, sexuality or gender identity, but we've done surveys about that. You know, it's done by reputed institutions like the University of Hong Kong and Uni- uh, Chinese University of Hong Kong. And it has shown that more than half of the people in Hong Kong, they actually support that. And they support, they also support uh, that we have non-surgical form of gender recognition legislation in place. But the government is not listening. It has no public mandate. Uh, it's not chosen by the people. You know, we just had a, we just have a new chief executive coming up now in Hong Kong. But, you know, he's, is you know the 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 process of of uh, appointing and choosing the chief executive and the cabinet is totally rigged <laughs> and uh, we had uh, also with the uh, legislative council before a few years ago we had some well it it is democratic to some extent we have you know it, we have the geographical constitution but also the functional constituency is chosen by uh, the representatives in that sector. Uh, so if you are from like the fishing industry, you're chosen by, you know, some, you, you're only, uh, your vote would only come from those in the fishing industry, but well, some representatives in that industry and it's heavily manipulated. So essentially uh, we, even if we maximize the potential of the geographical sector and we and all, all those candidates in that sector are chosen by public vote, uh, we, we wouldn't get any bill, we, we wouldn't get any bill passed, especially those that protects LGBT people, because by the process you have to the, the bill has to come, first come from the government and it has to be passed by the geographical constituency and also the functional constituency. So, you know, you have three, three uh, very high barriers and it's impossible to get any bill passed. That's why, you know, you, you don't see progress in the le- legislative council coming from uh, the chief executive or the uh, functional constituency. And, uh, and it has led to this phenomenon that we have in Hong Kong. We do everything through the court. And uh, I mentioned about my case earlier, it's one of the uh, main efforts in, our, in the locals in Hong Kong's LGBT movement, uh, because we, we, we do everything by judicial review. That's very unfortunate because it's, very, um, it's, very, it's a very long process. It's uh, very costly and it's very, the um, topic covered 
in each case is very limited. So, you know, that's the homophobia and uh, transphobia that you get from the state. And in general, uh, culture-wise, I think, like with the older generation, it's very, uh, it's very conservative. They don't tend to talk about this issue a lot, even though we don't have, you, you seldom see physical violence towards LGBT people. There's a lot of discrimination uh, in, in the workplace, in the family space, in the transgender world. Usually there's a lot of grief uh, with, with the birth family once their children come out to their family. And I've, you know, I've seen cases, you know, the most extreme one, you, you have, uh, uh, I, I know a trans woman, she, when she came out to her family, uh, her family took her to mainland China to have some kind of conversion therapy. And she agreed. She agreed at first. And she allowed them to take her to God knows where in China to see this like a Chinese voodoo guy. Uh, and they made her drink some kind of uh, water with, how do you, how do you say that? They, they, use, they, they have some kind of like blessing paper and they, blur, they burn it and they mix it with water and they make her drink that, that some kind of potion, they call it. And obviously it wouldn't work, it's, it's harmful. <laughs> and she agreed to that because she thought that would convince her family that you know, her condition, her transgenderism is in incurable so that she, they can get on with their lives. And uh, her family didn't stop there. And they thought she needs something stronger some stronger conversion therapy to in order to help her to get rid of her thoughts of gender transition and and they said to her well we, we should take you to a doctor and at that point she refused because she she could no longer have it and she developed heavy uh, depression because of that and she uh, she had to leave and she was luckily she was she had a place in a hostel uh, in in a in a shelter in a in a shelter that uh, understands LGBT people, she was placed there, and she's now in a much better place now. And uh, but this kind of, you know, this kind of tragedy and you know conflict within the family trying to take their children to conversion therapy, and the fact that conversion therapy is still legal and alive. Uh, uh, in Hong Kong, you know, it makes things a lot worse for, for, for transgender people from what I see. My last question for you is around the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia. I think it's a lot of courage for somebody like yourself to write, like go through the lawsuit, you know, the state sanction, potential violence that can happen to LGBTQ people in your country, and not just that, but also the homophobia, transphobia in itself. So if you could leave us with some thoughts, you know, about being, you know, standing up against transphobia, homophobia, but also your own resilience and courage to take care of yourself, take care of your community and continuing to proceed on despite the mental health stress that you've gone through. So I would encourage people to uh, be informed uh, and check out what's happening now in uh, 
in Hong Kong and uh, in East Asia because we uh, we are you know it's it's an important time for us now that we're in you know we're we're experiencing uh, this this stage of huge change and really need uh, allies from around the world to support us and uh, also I'd like to you know mention the importance of uh, taking care of yourself uh, especially as activists because it's really you know it's really the, the work to fight for equality for LGBT people it's really hard because it's a long process there's a lot of uh, obstacles you're fighting the state you know a lot of the times it's the path is not smooth you have to think of different ways sometimes you know even if you you know, you exhaust all the peaceful means, it wouldn't work. So it really is uh, frustrating work sometimes. And uh, I'd like to remind uh, my peers in the activist community that, you know, take time for self-care. And that's what I'm doing now, actually. I've had my first long break in America in, in years. Uh, and uh, I, I haven't been taking a, a proper break for years. And and uh, before the holiday, I realized that, you know, I really need to do that. And now I'm doing that and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling good, you know, just to get away from, from things for, 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 for a few weeks. So do that if you feel like you need it, you deserve it. <laughs> One final thought, and that is to Asian LGBTQIA plus and our mental health. Um, but yeah, since you're a trailblazer, if you have any final thoughts, about our cultural identities and mental health and LGBTQIA plus, please share. Oh, that's a that's that's a difficult question actually because but when you when you mean Asian, it means different things because because uh, if you talk if you talk about Asian, say if when I was when I was in the UK as an Asian, I felt like a minority, but when I'm Asian in the Hong Kong context, I'm the majority. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's completely different. And I th think uh, what's, what's in common, well, I guess there are things that, that there are things that are in common. Uh, and I think with, well, as Asian, when we deal with our parents, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tendency to, you know, to keep it inside the family, like they don't see it as a public matter. And I see a lot of, you know, a lot of times when I, you know, participate in international uh, LGBT spaces, like I see such a underrepresentation of, of uh, Asian, East Asian, especially like when I went to, I don't know, when I went to the Interpride conference in Greece uh, a few years ago, I think there were, less than well maybe less than 10 asian east less than 10 of east asian reach of east asian origin in the whole conference and the conference we're talking about several hundred people and i think it's time that we you know we voice out for ourselves and to show who we are in these spaces and i think it's very important that you know to let the world know that what our needs are in order to in order to fight things for our community 
to you know to meet their needs better uh, that suits their uh, cultural or you know geographical background or whatever so I encourage Asian activists to do that. Number one, now I'm roasting under blazing sun, riding shotgun. You at the wheel, my free will at your direction. Memorize your signs, but forgot my own reflection. No, my eggs in my basket, I gave them all to you. Still hungry after fables, but I ran out of spoons. Give her more than I can give. Overextending my wings, good at playing your games, but this is not a win win. I've been sickening your dirty dishes, even when my place for I marry myself. I remain faithful. One day I'll leave the table, cause you stop serving love. Crave the taste of solitude, I know it is enough. I'm blue. The color of my solitude. Times I knew my yes was a no. I'm your clown out of habit. There is dust on my throne. For you, I drop my shit just to hear you say hero. Fly you to your dreams, distract me from my own. Maybe, baby, someday I will learn to be alone. I fly myself up to the moon and build a gate around my zone. I bust admit that I am selfish when I take care of myself. Repeat it till I hear it. Reverse the trauma in myself. Ooh, ooh, the color of my solitude. was I'm Blue by Kim Mortal, a queer non-binary Philippinex Canadian artist. Download their song or head to KimMortal.com to support the work of our beautiful queer artists. To hear more episodes of Interpride, visit interpride.org. There, you can also find out more information about the work we do with Pride organizers from around the world. The big AGM, or annual general members meeting, is coming up in October in Guadalajara. This is Interpod a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA plus community.